Hello, this is over and over and over again. We're live and this is the Burnley versus Arsenal pre-match warm-up show. My name is Richard. Welcome back to my show. Um, channel over and over and over again, the Positive Arsenal channel. Tonight, this is the Burnley versus Arsenal pre-match warm-up show. And I've got some great guests that will be coming on and joining me in a minute. Just before I bring them on, um, obviously this show is currently going out live. It's on Facebook, it's on YouTube, and it's on Twitter. Um, it's also going to go out on Spotify as well, which will probably be uploaded either tonight or tomorrow. So if you're listening to that on there as well, welcome to uh, to the show. Um, it's also as well to make sure that, you know if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, please come over to YouTube and click on the subscribe button. Give this a like as well, um, and it does help the channel to grow. So without further ado, I will get the guests involved as we look ahead to tomorrow's big Premier League game, big uh, big game for both clubs actually, and maybe for different reasons as we'll get into. I'm sure. Um, first of all, coming back onto the show, he's our resident panelist. He's here every single day. It's almost like he's growing roots in the channel. It's Melvin. How you doing, Melvin? You all right? Yeah, good evening. Thanks. Yeah, fine, fine. Good to have uh, two good tonight, you. isn't it, Richard? Normally, there's only one person from the other team, but we've got two tonight. Yes, so, we've, uh, we've we've been um, we've been surrounded tonight, so it's going to be good. Um, and first of all, representing Burnley, we've got um, he's, he's been on before. Actually, he was on um, the previous time that we played Burnley back in December. It's uh, Dan from the Cricket Field End. How you doing, mate? You're right. How's it going, guys? You're right. Yeah, very well. Good to have you back. Oh, pleasure to be back. Yeah, so we enjoyed the show last time, so I thought we'd get you back on again and uh, see how things have been in the meantime. And also as well, another, and we've got another Burnley fan coming on tonight as well. It's his first time on the channel and it is, um, it's Joe from the Turf, what's it, Turf Cast Podcast. I need to get that right. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, it's one of them, isn't it? It's, it don't exactly roll off the tongue. I'm fully aware of that. When I did that at the time. I just, when I created the channel, I was just like, well, we play it Turf more. It's a podcast, Turfcast, that'll do. Whereas now I'm just like, right, that's a bit of a rubbish name. That Everyone seems to trip over it. So, But yeah, that's it. And, and thanks for having me, boys. No, it's, 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 a, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, looking forward to, um, obviously, we can look ahead to tomorrow's big game. So that's the panel. And this is the Burnley versus Arsenal pre-match warm-up. So, um, just really wanted to wanted to start before um, you know we get into all the other bits and bobs. Really, just looking at the current form of both clubs. Now, Arsenal have been pretty inconsistent most of the season, actually. And although we have won our last two games, uh, of course, last week a really good victory at Leicester. Of course, with your last opponents as well, um, we have been quite inconsistent, really. Um, I've noticed um, from your recent results, especially at home, you've got a lot of draws, haven't you? I mean, if I come to you first, then Joe. What are you making of your kind of current form because you're not losing that many but you're not winning enough are you either yeah it's a little bit indifferent to be honest to be honest I'm I'm more falling on the side of 
I don't know. I wouldn't say negative a feeling about it, but the Leicester draw sort of like has brought us back up a little bit recently. The home draws against Fulham and West Brom just weren't good enough, and not in just terms of the results. I know a few Burnley fans will just probably go down the route of, oh, we didn't get beat. That's the important thing. But Burnley of last season and the season before would have used them two games as an opportunity to, to pull away from the relegation fight and ended up finishing in the top half of the table like we have done for two out of the last three seasons. So... Uh, it was disappointing not to win them two games. Uh, and the performance, especially against a 10-man West Brom, was was diabolical. But uh, the Leicester game showed a lot of signs of encouragement. Um, sorry for swearing, but the Spurs game didn't show a lot of signs of encouragement. <laughs> Obviously, we got absolutely murdered down at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, mm. So, so yeah, the, the, Leic- the Leicester game has, has, has maybe started to swing the mood back up a little bit. But, yeah, the, the main feeling from the last few games has been one of negative, really. But since the Crystal Palace game, we're more fantastic. Yeah, I mean, are you kind of feeling the same, Dan, about the way you've been playing in the last sort of uh, maybe sort of five or six games, really? Because there's not been many wins there, has there? No, uh, I'm I'm definitely with Joe on, on what he said. Like I say, the West Brom game, going back to that game alone, I said at the end of that game, I wasn't happy with the point. Everyone was saying that West Brom would have been more happy with the point. Looking mm. at it, I don't think they would have done. I think they'd have been more than happy to take the all three. The opportunity was there for them to take all three. It was, it was, disapp- it was a disappointing point. In the end, I was kind of more happy that we did we did grab the point because at 10 men, they seem stronger and you can't sometimes rest on your laurels against a, a Sam Allardyce side. I mean, sometimes no. with 10 men, they're a lot stronger. They're, they're a, a lot more bullish. Uh, they come forward. And just our all-round game was shocking, weren't it, Joe? I mean, were, I, I had a listen, yeah. listen on your watch-along and I think it's probably the... the uh, podcast probably with the most expletives I've probably ever watched. <laughs> yeah, we, we do we do swear quite a bit on our watch along. It's watch along. I, I, I try not to swear so much on the podcast. I don't know what obviously the boys on, on this channel will sort of like say we expletives and stuff. But watch alongs, I, I think as long as you don't say the C word, I'm not too bothered. But um, it, when you're on the turf or obviously when you're on the Emirates in, in, in Rich and uh, Melvin's example, you're shouting and you're screaming anyway and you're swearing, so it's just a similar sort of vibe. But the stat that stands out for me from that West Brom game is West Brom had conceded the most shots on target in the entire Premier League season. We didn't have one shot on target against a 10-man West Brom wow. side. It just wasn't wow. good enough. It just wasn't good enough at all. So that just that just tells you how bad that performance was. But yeah, positive Arsenal channel. Let's have a bit of positive Burnley chat. The Leicester game, we look, we, we look much better. Yeah, yeah I mean, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I did watch a bit of the Leicester game, obviously, ahead of the fact that we were playing you guys at the weekend just to kind of get a feel of how you're playing, really. Um, the one thing I did want to ask you about, actually, was Ashley Barnes, because he he hasn't been playing. Is he injured? I hope he is, because he always scores against <laughs> us. Yeah, he's injured, unfortunately, at the minute. But Chris Wood's back, and um, but yeah, uh, he is injured at the minute. Is um a tear on his muscle or a muscle strain. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Burnley play the cards very close to the chest when it comes to injuries. Sean Dyche has like a, a key. There's like back on the grass, touch and go, on the treatment table. And there's and the one even before that is what Ashley Barnes is currently on, where he just pretends he doesn't exist. At the minute, we're just not finding out anything about Ashley Barnes. So I don't really know what's up with him, but I've heard some rumours that there, it, it might be pretty bad, but I'm just trying to dig into them rumours at the minute to, before I say anything on, on any channel, really. Um, but I've heard it might be pretty bad, but he's definitely not playing against Arsenal anyway, so you could be happy with that. 
Yeah, I say he's the one player that uh, you look at a Burnley team sheet and you don't want him to be on it because um, he's caused us a, a lot of problems in the last few seasons, actually, which, um, you know, hasn't has been too good. I mean, Melvin, what are you making of our kind of recent form? I know the last two games have been exciting and, and good form, but I think we've been quite up and down, haven't we? Quite inconsistent. We're consistently inconsistent, haven't we? I mean, you don't know what, what team what we're going to play like from one minute to the next. I mean... Normally, after five minutes, you can tell whether we should get a newspaper out, start reading it, or actually bother to watch the game. It's so much like that. And I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know what it is. It doesn't matter if we're playing a team at the top of the division or near the bottom or whatever. It just seems to be what mood we, we start with. And sometimes our concentration is so bad, we lose a goal in the first few minutes. And then normally, not like last week, normally game over. And we're ch not even chasing a game for, for 90 minutes. We don't get near the other... Uh, Teams penalty box for 90 minutes, which is really frustrating. You know, any team, any team against even Man City, if they're getting beat, we'll have a go. We didn't. We put the white flag up. We're getting beat 1 0. Well, that's all right. What, what's on telly tonight? One of those felt like that, you know? And it was really, really disappointing. And we've been like that all season. And yet, we turn up like Chelsea, Leicester, those type of games. We've been absolutely terrific. Southampton away, you know, Southampton can blow hot and cold, I know. But we played them and they were playing decent football when they were doing well. And we just really, really tore them one. So we'll have to see. Well, first of all, we get our normal thing. Look at the team sheet and go, what the hell is all that about? But then last week, he proved me wrong and he proved a lot of us wrong. Yeah, he did. So he did. Over the first five-minute bump. Yeah, I mean, I was at yeah. last week and I was absolutely raging, thinking, why on earth has he picked this team when it hasn't worked yeah. in previous games? But to be fair, you're right, he proved us all wrong. The players stepped up last week and, and played really well. I know Leicester have got a few injuries and, and whatnot, but it was a good performance from Arsenal. Um, I mean, I just really want to know what, what you guys are making of the... I know um, the, the relegation battle really hotting up sort of uh, just below you, really, isn't it? Um, you're not quite out of it yet, are you? I mean, what, what are you thinking in terms of... Um, your chances of getting sucked into that still? Because, I mean, you're not that far away, are you? Personally, I think we'll be all right. I don't know if Dan wants to take the lead on this one, but that's my personal opinion. I, th I think we'll be all right. I've, I've, I've always been... This season's been probably the most scariest season as a Burnley fan in regards to Premier League stature and whether we've managed to keep hold of it. Um, I think, obviously, you look at the beginning of the season, the lack of investment, That's that's got to be some sort of input. Then there was all the uh, rumours of whether there's going to be a takeover, whether it was going to happen, whether it wasn't. Then the riffraff between um, Sean Darch and uh, Matt Garlic. Not nobody knew kind of the ins and outs. Mm. Um, but in the in the gist of it all, you kind of could see that half of what was going on backstage was happening was mm. having some sort of effect on the pitch. Or you'd like to think that was the problem, and it wasn't just a case of. Um, players not wanting to play for the club because due to the form. Uh, but it's typical Burnley, like you say, we come on and we'll grind that 1-1 result out against Leicester, uh, but then we'll do absolute dog crap against teams like West Brom. And, and it makes you th and it just makes you think we're so hit and miss. We, we're almost like a bit of a Crystal Palace this year where we sort of, one minute we're going to turn up and the next minute we just don't bother. Um mm. Like you say, we have got the smallest squad in the Premier League. We have been hit with injuries. But I remain optimistic. I might draw, I remain optimistic, but it's kind of quiet optimism for me for myself. 
Yeah, I mean, I know, well, obviously, when we played you guys before, it was in December, wasn't it? Beginning of December. And, um, you know, you, you had been struggling, actually, in the league um, due to your injuries, like you said, and you did have quite a, a poor start to the season. But, obviously, you did win that game at the Emirates before. And um, since then, you, I think the results for you guys have picked up, haven't they, since then? And I know you've got a few players back from injury as well, which has probably helped. But, yeah, not having a, a big squad. I mean, what are you making? I mean, obviously, that takeover's happened now, hasn't it? I mean, what, what are your thought of, thoughts on that for the future of the club? Do you think that's going to be a good thing and it's going to be able to, you're going to be able to move forward or, or are you a bit worried about that? It's one of them with this. You can go both, you can go down both routes, really. There's um, mm. sort of like, there's a section of the fan base that is adamant that we're going to do a Portsmouth and a Bolton and go all the way through the leagues are based on that and absolutely nothing to be fair but it's just you know it's just typical but there's another portion of the fan base that thinks we're going to sign Mbappe obviously not realistically <laughs> but you know what I mean they think, they think they're going to throw a lot of money at it but for me I, I've seen nothing yet to suggest that Alan Pace who is a new chairman is here to um, asset strip as some people have accused him of there's been no evidence as to why we can't trust him he's come in he's been open he's been honest and then he's been criticised for being open and honest. But yet the problem with the old chairman was that he wouldn't talk to us. He wouldn't tell us anything. He'd send out the CEO to tell a load of lies who's been you know, let go in the last week under the new chairman. Um, so you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, I, I, one of my biggest things, my biggest traps at Burnley Football Club is we don't market ourselves properly, in my opinion. We, I, I'm 100% I'm proud that agree with that, Joe. 100% yeah, agree I, with I'm, that. I'm, I'm proud that we're a small town club and I like the fact that they put the the local fans first but we kind of become this like legal gentleman local club for local people sort of thing and they don't they don't do too much to expand the name of, of Burnley Football Club and expand the brand so mm. many things that obviously Dan will be aware of that I mentioned on the podcast literally every week because it annoys me that much is going behind a paywall I understand that some clubs do it but it's, it's normally like your championship clubs and your league one clubs like if mm. you're streaming stuff put it out there for free for everybody to see. Because say like if we're streaming, you know, an under-23s game against Arsenal, for example, you're going to get the Arsenal fans watching it or you're going to get like American fans, especially when we have a new takeover and things like that. Like we did the the press conference live, his press conference behind a paywall, of course. And it's just not going to get the name of the club out. But it's, that's just mm. one thing in, in many things. But he spoke a lot about getting the name of the club out and things like that in a more positive way and expanding the brand of Burnley Football Club. And that's one of the things that I like to see. Um, but yeah, I think the immediate thing is that everybody will judge him on is is whether or not he spends money on the players because um, mm. right now we need it. The average age of the squad is getting older. We found out tonight that Phil Bardsley's staying at the club for another year thanks to his wife announcing it on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It takes something it. when the club haven't announced exactly, it yeah. his missus has put that he's signed a one-year <laughs> extension. It's, it's like the same with the, the launch of the kits every single year. It'll come out and it'll be shown out on someone's kitchen table who's nicked it from the club shop or they hung it up in a council estate flat or whatever no disrespect to council estate slab it's always the case it's always a terrible picture on a rubbish grammy court <laughs> hanger with loads of rubbish everyone's like oh that kid's rubbish and then the club will release nice images of it it's like just do that in the first place can you not do something where you just like i've worked for a bit at bradford city football club so i have worked on a kit launch i have i, I see how these things happen you run a tight ship you make sure that nobody can take pictures you make sure that nobody can get in and out of of here with a kit and things like that and there's just some stuff that the club just do wrong. So I'm expecting the new chairman to come in with a positive, different mindset of stuff like that and hopefully stop stuff like that happening and just stop like these little tin potty things happening to Burnley like that and and expand the brand of the football club. It will be difficult, of course, because we are a small football club. But 
he wants to go down the route, the new chairman wants to go down the route of everyone's favourite underdog. So it's a way in, I guess. But at least it's a, a sign that he's, he's looking to expand the name of Burnley Football Club. And that's what we want to see, definitely. I don't think there's anything as well that's kind of been said by the chairman that you can't look at and kind of criticise either. I think what he's come out and said has been very positive. Yeah. It's always been quite a good outlook. Um, he has, like, like Joe's touched on, he does want to get that brand out there. Uh, but you can also see that he wants to work behind the scenes by, via the youth system and try and work on that. And you know, So he has got his fingers in a few pies, so to speak. But it, like you say, the proof's in the pudding with a, with a big pre-season um, yeah. next season. I mean, I think most fans are the most important thing to most fans, isn't it? Is how much the, the, the owners are going to invest in the playing side of the, the club. Yeah. You know, and we, we've got the same problem, haven't we, Melvin, at Arsenal, where our, our owner doesn't tend to put his hand in his pocket for the playing side very much at all, really. And yes, we bought players and whatever, but, uh, you know, most Arsenal fans feel the same um, about our owner, really, that they're maybe not doing enough to get us, you know, to invest in the team enough that we need to progress as a club and move forward, which, you know, for, for a club like Arsenal is really important anyway. I mean, it's, it's not that you say that about, um, you know, that you want to try to become a, a bigger reach out to a bigger audience, if you like, which is which is quite interesting because um, we've kind of reached out to a bigger audience since we moved stadium. And I've, I wish we could go back to when we were maybe slightly smaller in a sense, um, because being like a, a community club, if you like, in, in a, I know we're in London and that's not ever been the case for Arsenal, but yeah. being on a smaller scale for me would be a lot better. You know, so you just get your hardcore fans coming to watch the game, the atmosphere is better uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think for, for, for Burnley, I mean, every time I've been to Burnley, I mean, ben, Ben's put a comment in, in the chat there. You know, he said he needs Burnley in the Premier League. It's always a good away trip. Uh, and he misses a spell of deep heat in the tight concourse. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, the away end is um, a bit of a throwback in many ways to to sort of you know old stadium and stuff, which which I quite like anyway. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that kind of small club feel about Burnley. Actually, uh, I really enjoy that, and in a way, it's something that I kind of almost envy a little bit. I know it sounds strange because you know we're a big club and we we you know we won league titles and all this kind of stuff. But there's a little part of me that actually. Um, quite likes that about Burnley, you know, the fact that you are a small club and, you know, you've had relative success with what you've got, uh, which is which is great, isn't it? And, you know, maybe reaching out to a bigger audience is maybe good in some ways, but I think it could also lead to some of the issues that maybe we've suffered from um, from our fan base maybe as well. It, it leads to more pressure, of course, as well, which is the other side of it, I guess. Um, I'm not I mean, comparing... I'm not sorry, I'm not comparing the two clubs, boys. Don't... No disrespect, seriously. But I feel the same way. Where I live... And it's not no disrespect. It's it's. I live near Orient, right? And I've been. I've been. I go there. You know, I've been there loads of times over the years, and I love it. It's so different. It's a different feel. You've got characters there. Everyone's a character. Every everyone yeah. knows everyone. It seems. And I know they don't, obviously. But you know, it, it's a. You're nearer to the pitch, number one. The atmosphere pro rata to how many people are there is much better, and you just get a whole feel like you're part of the whole. You're part of the game. You're not playing, obviously. You're exactly. part of the whole game. Exactly. And we, we missed that at the Emirates more than Highbury. I know Highbury wasn't, you know, like the Orient, but it was nearer the Orient than it is now. And yeah. I agree. I miss that. You know, I do miss that. I, mean, I think yeah, that's I, what's been missing with us, isn't it, Joe? I mean, yeah. like I say, we're, we're missing that fan backing. I think we'd have had a lot more positive results with a fan base screaming being that 12th man. I think having that yeah. in the stadium would have been vital to how we progressed this season and where we finished. 
I mean, at the beginning of the season, based on last season, I predicted us to finish eighth. I don't know why. I must have been drunk at the time. But, um, you know, I, right now I take where we are. But uh, it's tomato, tomato. And the day, I agree with what Melvin's saying. You feel so close to the pitch. You, you're almost like you're almost like the manager in a way. No matter what you come out with, you kind of a voice that people are listening to on that pitch. Yeah, it's it's mental and it's it's those little moments you miss I suppose that's why money does need to filter down to grassroots you know and to the smaller clubs yeah no exactly exactly and there's such a big gap isn't there and it's, the gap's getting bigger and bigger all the time between the, the rich and the uh, and the poor if you like when it comes to football and unfortunately it doesn't look like there's any end to that it's just going to get further and further apart and you know um I, I kind of you know my local clubs Dagenham and Redbridge you used to actually be in a football league for a bit. And, you know, it's that kind of, you, you feel part of the club when, you, when you're there. And it used to be, as Melvin said, at Highbury with Arsenal. That, when I grew up, that's what it was like at Arsenal. And now you're, yeah. not, you're not part of anything at all. They don't care. The club don't yeah. care about the fans. And I still feel as though Burnley maybe do still have that. I think the club yeah, do I care think, about the fans. I think I, you're important. I think we club. do. I think we do. And even though I do want us to open ourselves up to, you know, better branding and, you know, market ourselves a bit better, I don't want us to necessarily lose that community side of it. I think the thing is, Burnley is a small town. There's only like 75,000 or whatever people that live in Burnley. So I think we always will have that community feel to it because you, you don't have this immediate pool like you do in London of millions of people or hundreds of thousands of people like you do in certain mm. cities around the country. Um, so I don't think we'll ever lose that community side of it because the club is so like in, in, intrinsic to the community. Even where the club is, it's just like... You, there's loads of terraced houses, which is just standard mm. for Burnley. Every time you watch Burnley on the telly, shot of terraced houses. But that is that's because Round Turf Moor. That's all it yeah. is. It's just terraced yeah. houses. Not there's anything wrong with it. I've literally just moved from that area myself to where I am now. But it's just terraced house, terraced house, terraced house, football stadium, terraced house, terraced house, terraced house. And I wouldn't want us to move away from there either. What I would like us to do is buy the cricket field, which is behind the turf, mm. and have have all this space behind it and do more with that space. That's another thing I'd like to see us do. But I don't think, even though I want us to not even necessarily become a bigger club, but just be more marketable and have better branding and, and, and sort of like be seen by more people across the world. Because I, I don't feel like the club even sort of like acknowledges international fans. Like we have a guy that comes on the podcast sometimes, he's from Ireland, and he finds it extremely difficult to even buy a ticket because they won't send it to him or something like I can't remember the exact ins and outs, but they won't post it to him. Um, he won't. He has to come and get it on a certain day, like, and it sometimes he won't even let him pick it up on match day. I think was one what? of the, it's just exactly it's just one of these That's things. It's just ridiculous. I think it had to be like the day before or something like that, and it's just these little stupid things. It's like again, that might not be exact. Just before I put that out, there, I don't want no, I don't yeah. could ring it tomorrow saying blah 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 blah. Not that they will, but you know what I mean. Um, but there's there's all these little things, and even like to buy a kit or something and get it sent out to you if you're a foreign fan. It's apparently a lot, just you know, just loads of red tape, and that doesn't need to be there. But mm. yeah, I do understand that the community feel of a football club is fantastic, and yeah, I don't want us to lose that. I would like, as you say, the away end is a bit of a throwback, and the Bob Lord <laughs> stand, which is if you're a away fan, is on your right. Um, yeah. That's also a bit of a throwback. I'd like them two to be, you know basically knocked down and rebuilt it, if I'm being honest, and to make the stadium look a little bit better. But, yeah, I wouldn't want us to lose that sort of like tight-knit stadium feel and, and tight-knit community feel either. Could you no, imagine if we rebuilt the Bob Lord, though? If we rebuilt the yeah. Bob Lord, would it be like Sheffield United's away end, wouldn't it? It'd be so steep because you couldn't back out onto the road. Yeah, the, that's the problem with Bob Lord. Obviously, behind, you two won't know, behind the Bob Lord stand, which is, as I said, the one on your right when you're in the away end, there's a main road behind it. 
And so the club are already as far back as they can go. They can't go any further back with that because they go any further back, you're hovering over the pavement, which will obviously belong to the council or whatever. I'm not sure how that works or the county council. So they'd have to sort of like create a stadium that overhangs the pavement and that would just be weird. Um, so, so yeah, they'd have to make it sort of like similar size, but just more modern or whatever. Or as Dan says, just make it ridiculously steep like Newcastle or Sheffield United or whatever. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they did with it. When you're yeah, talking I mean, about not shipping out, the, there's a lot of red tape to get shirts. I mean, what's happened the last year? Everyone's using Amazon and all these eBay and all that, and they're managing to get pots and pans through the door. So why can't <laughs> Burnley ship a shirt somewhere? It's unbelievable. It's like it's, this thing's never gone on before. They can't it's, even it's, access it's, the uh, pints. People see yeah, exactly. the pints like, aren't even being used. They can't be used to spend on the club shop. People are asking week in, week out, when can we spend these points that we've accumulated on shirts in the club shop online? That's something yeah. the club haven't even dealt with or it's something we'll have to look at. I mean, these are little problems that they will they could feed to you during the season and say, oh, well, we'll look at that in the off-season and we'll have a yeah. look, um, and we'll see where we go. But right now, while there's no mm. bums on seats in a stadium, this is kind of their opportunity as an off-season sort of aspect. During the week, sit down, sort out plans, get stuff going. You know, you've got people like Doug Metcalf, who's our stadium manager, who's you, you only hear of whenever there's a development, which is every 10, 15 years, if that. <laughs> you know, it, it's... Earning his money then. Yeah, this definitely. New owner of yours, Him and Matt Big must be got, like that. <laughs> this new owner of yours, I hope he's got the sense to see who's below him to get rid of the rubbish. He's got, you know... Yeah, well, the, the, CEO, the, CEO's, the CEO's just, just left. You can clearly tell that was... a. Uh, a difference of opinion, or or he's just coming to get his his new people in. But he's he has brought a few people in already. He brought two people with him. Um, I know I, I don't know exactly what their roles were. I just remember there being three people on the on the photos when they were announced. Uh, and he brought in somebody that used to either be the CEO at Madison Square Gardens or was really high up at Madison Square Gardens. So that's like a good sort of. Uh, a sort of like venue, if you will, um, to sort of like have have all the brains and he organised things there. But yeah, the CEO, who I didn't have any issue with really, um, but I did feel at the time that, um, because the CEO was a lad called Neil Hart and he was brought in from the community. Like he worked, he worked at the football club, became CEO of Burnley Football Club in the community. And then when our last CEO left, I think to go to the EFL, if I remember rightly, was it? Dave Baldwin, yeah, yeah, I can't Dave remember. Yeah. Went, yeah, left to go to the EFL. They brought Neil in, and at the time, that reeked of the the cheap man for the job. Um, it, I don't know if that was the case. That's just me outside looking in. Um, and he seemed to do all right. To be fair, every time you know he sport well. Um, looking back now, there's a few things where he's clearly just sort of like said stuff to try and buy a bit of time rather than actually being truthful. His most recent interview was, we will be spending a lot of money in January. Uh, and if we don't, watch this space in the summer sort of have. And obviously, we spent absolutely nothing in January. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's gone. Started. And I would presume, yeah, he's gone. And I presume there would be a new one coming in. But um, they're looking for applicants. So I might stick my CV in. Who knows? <laughs> well, why not? Why not? Well, <laughs> I'm not going to offer it. One of you two. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Shane, Shane's put a comment in there about uh, obviously Arsenal and Emirates saying that Arsenal slowly turned into a franchise instead of a club under Cronkite. Yeah, I mean, that's what's happened. And not just Arsenal, unfortunately, it's happened at a lot of clubs, isn't it, over the modern times. I guess it's modern football, maybe, which um, is not something that I'm particularly um, overly excited about, if I'm honest. But anyway, it is what it is. And we, you know, football will always be here, I suppose. And we'll always be fans of it, I guess. But it's yeah. having to 
you know, move with the times. I mean, what I do want to do is that we are going to obviously come back to tomorrow game a little bit later. I just wanted to do a couple of other little little things first. First of all, um, just wanted to maybe look uh, a little bit at this. I was listening on Spotify. This is to do with previous meetings between the sides. Um, for me, um, my memories of Burnley are all quite recent because my first trip to Turf Moor wasn't until 2008 in the FA Cup um, because obviously uh, you guys had been outside in a top flight for quite a number of years. Um, in the FA Cup, that was we won two 0 actually um, that particular day, which was which was nice. Um, yeah, I, I know Melvin. I know Melvin's memories maybe go back a little bit further than mine. Um, what sort of um, you sort of remember it back from the seventies there with Burnley, or even further yeah. back? Seventies. I think I might have mentioned this before. We played Burnley three times in seven days, and in two of those matches, we had three players sent off. We played you in a league. Turf Moor. I think we drew three all. I think we had one player sent off. Then uh, on the Saturday we played you in the league and got beat. Uh, I think one nil. We had two players sent off. And then with the replay of the League Cup, we won two one, in, and we didn't have any players sent off, and we won. So oh, well. <laughs> happy, happy, happy days, as they say. This goes to show, well, doesn't it? Yeah, also, <laughs> well, enough, in the double year of seventy seventy one, we played you at Turf Moor. Uh, I think we yeah we won two one. At September it was. And the, the attendance then was twelve, just over twelve thousand, which is mental. Twelve thousand at Turf Moor. We then played you at Highbury near the end of the season, and we just scraped. And we were going for the title. We just scraped a one-nil victory with Charlie George. And the difference of the crowd was because we were going for the league. I don't know how, how many we got about forty-five thousand that game. But had we not been going for the league. The, the, the crowds then were, don't people don't realize how bad crowds were years ago, they really yeah, were yeah. bad. Um, and then, uh, what else was there? Um, what game? There's, a, there's a game in 19. Oh, yeah, the one I never went to, but my father and uncle went to. The reason I support the Arsenal because my father and my uncle was in no, a very famous game 1953, before my time, I might add, when we played you last game of the season at Highbury, beat you 3 2 to win the title on goal difference from Preston. And Preston and, and Burnley are a bit of rivals, aren't they? A little bit yeah. up there? Yeah. So yeah. it was about used, a double-edged sword, used to be. really. Used to be. Yeah, used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, double-edged sword. So, so we, I say, we had to win. We just about won. Um, but it wasn't on goal difference. It was on goal average. Mm. It used to be done on goal average years ago. Yeah. And it was like 0.8 of the, you know, so finer margins then. So you could have scored a million goals, but if you let, let in just short of a million, the team that scored just five goals and only let in two, one and won the league. That's how it was done years ago. So that was a very big game. And then really after that, um, there wasn't really, you know, we, we played you in 75, just to say about crowds, and we were going through a very tough time then. We only won a double four years before that, Richard, remember? We had yeah, 16, yeah. just over 16,000 at our home game in 1975. That's mad, isn't it? When you think yeah, what's going yeah. on now. We wasn't need for a sixty thousand stadium then, was there? In most no. most clubs, but then, no. you know, I mean, as I say, it, that was I think around seventy five was the last time we played Burnley for a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, 70, 75, 76, They got relegated. Yeah. yeah, and that was the last time until well, until that FA Cup game in two thousand and eight. I mentioned just before. I mean, an interesting stat actually. I don't know whether whether you two guys are aware of this actually. The last three times that you've beaten us at Turf Moor 
in all competitions have all came come in the month of December. I didn't know this until I saw. I, did, I think you put a preview on on your Twitter, didn't you? And I did see you say that, and I'm like, oh, didn't yeah. know that. That's a good one. Yeah, no, it, it, 2000 and, uh, 2008 was in the League Cup. You, you won 2-0. It was two, 1973 in the league, it was 2-1. And then 1967 in the league, all in December. They're the last three times that you've beaten us at Turf Moor. So um, my my hope is that now that this game's in March, that we're going to be safe. But um, I'm sure that <laughs> one will come to an end at some point. Um, I mean, well, we managed, yeah, we're, obviously, we didn't beat you at the Emirates. Well, obviously not at the end. We didn't beat you in London or at Arsenal from 1974 no, all this season, so right, fingers crossed yeah. we can carry that on, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. You, you haven't beaten us there for a while. I mean, what, what are your sort of memories of games against Arsenal? I mean, obviously, I know you, you did win at the Emirates, but of course, no fans could, could go to that game, um, probably fortunately from our point of view. I mean, what, what sort of games stick out in your mind? I know, again, it's probably more recent times, I would imagine, most of them, really. For me, it's got to be that League Cup game. I know you've, I know you've just mentioned it, but uh, we beat Chelsea in the previous round on penalties, uh, and then we had you in the in the next round. And um, I remember a weird memory that sticks out for me is I was wearing a Burnley shirt in the university library because I was at uni at the time, and uh, a Burnley fan walked past me and went, "Oh, we've got Arsenal at next round, haven't we? Draws just been made." I went, "Yeah, I've just seen it on my phone now." He's like, "Oh, there's no way we'll beat them. Like, you know, it's so much better than Chelsea this year." And I was like, "Yeah, you're probably right, mate. To be honest." Um, but obviously, we went on, we beat you 2-0. Kevin McDonald with both goals, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, yeah. And didn't really do much else for us apart from that. He scored an equaliser <laughs> at City, um, but he spent most of his time at 110 Club, which is a local working men's club. Uh, long story, but he ended up leaving a game at half-time to go and get pissed. Um, but but yeah, that's the only, only thing he really did in the Burnley shirt. But that's the main one that sticks out for me. And the first trip to the Emirates as well is one that sticks out for me. Because um, I never got a chance to go to Highbury, because like you say, we didn't play you much for years. Mm. Um, so when we went to the Emirates, was in an FA Cup replay or an FA Cup fifth round tie? Um, mm. And was it Eduardo? Was that the player that, that was yeah. called? And he, and he did. A, he scored a goal. It just looked like a, a trademark normal volley. But I remember I checked my phone on coach at home and everyone was talking about this amazing Eduardo goal. I went, that good, what the hell? And I checked and he'd, he'd used the outside of his foot and volleyed yeah. it and sliced it into the top of the net. An insane goal. I remember thinking, yeah, fair play. But yeah, they're my main memories. Yeah, that was the same season, actually. That FA Cup game was the same season as the League Cup game, just later on that same season. Yeah, well, yeah. We played it well, twice yeah. in that same season, both Cups, which was... Uh, so you won one and we won the other one, which uh, was nice, I suppose. Uh, what, what about you, Dan? What sort of uh, games stick, stick in your mind from, obviously, the, the previous games against Arsenal? Uh, I'm going to have to mention the ones that have kind of brought Burnley and Arsenal to a little bit of a rivalry. I mean, you've got to look at the the Koscielny handball last-minute incident. Uh, last minute. Sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the last minute penalty incident, um, uh, the Emirates, yeah. you know, it's this. If anything, there's always been that little bit of uh give and take with Arsenal in the past couple of seasons where it's almost like, oh god, as long as they don't kind of turn us over or grab, it's grab always a, been a case of all oh, these again, here we go yeah, again, yeah. Arsenal again, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, uh, to get that to get uh Obama Young wearing a Burnley shirt earlier on in the season and. Scoring for us with decent. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't scored for ages as well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is he my dream team? I was fuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was, he was in my dream team as well at the time. So yeah, I wasn't best pleased. But anyway, um, he's he's got a few points over the last few years, so I can't grumble too much, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I say it's, it's all been sort of recent recent years, hasn't it? I mean, funny enough, my last um, away game for Arsenal was last season's game at Turf Moor, actually, the nil-nil draw 
which um, wasn't the best game I've ever been to. I've got to be honest. Um, but uh, say, the, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't win that game. I think Rodriguez rattled bar. Yeah, from from close range. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were a bit fortunate. We didn't play particularly well that day, from what I remember. And we sort of hung on a little bit for a nil-nil draw, which um, we we actually won our previous four um, league visits to Turf Moor as well. So that was yeah, ended that sort of run. But I say we. We don't tend to lose there very often. So, you know, we've only lost three times, i say, since 1966. So um, it is a good ground historically for us. But there don't seem to be often many goals um, in the Premier League there hasn't been, apart from that one game, last game of the season, a couple of years back when we won 3-1, when Aubameyang scored two to get the golden boot. But other than that, it tends to be 1-0 or 0-0 last year. There's not many goals usually, So, um, which... Um, can be a bit frustrating. But I say, as Ben said before, I, I've always liked it. I thought it's a good away game. I've always really enjoyed it. So, um, I, obviously, I hope that you guys stay in the Premier League for a long time, especially once we can go back and get back in the stadiums again, because it is always a good day out. And obviously, the cricket club behind the uh, behind the yeah. ground is a nice place to go as well and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a good day. it is a good away day. So, yeah, just a shame, obviously, tomorrow, normally I would have been there. I mean, I don't often miss Burnley away. So, it's just a shame, really. But I'm sure... Uh, Hopefully next you, wouldn't, time. you wouldn't have enjoyed it, Rich. Our our grass is too long, just like last time, mate. So <laughs> as already well, maybe yeah. <laughs> we're not not that good on. Uh, we we can blame lots of things actually when we don't win games, but we've already got one put in for tomorrow now. Then so thanks for that. The grass was too long. <laughs> we'll use that if we need to. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I mean, what what I did as well. I, I put together this little um this little quiz just for a laugh. It's only a, a little little laughy thing. Um, we've kind of um, almost touched on a couple of them anyway, but it, it'll be fun anyway. Let me just find the question. I mean, usually we would look at the players that play for both clubs and stuff, but we did do that last time. So I want to do something a little bit different. So first of all, I'm going to put a picture of these two guys up on the screen. Obviously, in relation to Burnley against Arsenal, what, what links these two? For people watching on Spotify, it's Ashley Barnes and Graham Alexander. I have no idea, I'll be brutally honest with you. I mean, if you've seen Burnley and Arsenal, have they both scored a penalty against you? Not quite. Dan, you got any uh, any ideas? Apart from them being absolutely outstanding in Claret and Blue, I haven't got a scuba. Okay. Melvin, you got any um any ideas what no. what links them two players to Burnley against Arsenal? No. no? David Luiz doesn't like either of them. Well, he, he probably doesn't. I don't know. Um, like anybody. That could probably, that could probably true. The, 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 the actual thing is that they are the only two Burnley players to score at Turf Moor against Arsenal in the Premier League. Oh, is that right? Like, yeah. Wow. Graham Alexander scored a penalty in 2009 in 1-1 draw. And actually That's why scored. I went with the penalty. As soon as I saw like, Graham Alexander, yeah. something to do with the penalty. And obviously, actually Barnes scored in that, in that 3-1 uh, last game of the season. So, they're the only two goals that Burnley have scored in the Premier League at Turf Moor against Arsenal. So, that's what linked those two. Someone who actually, you've kind of spoiled this one a little bit, um, Joe, with what you mentioned before. I was going to say, what, who's in, what's this connection to Arsenal? But you've, you've gone over that already. Just people that don't know, that is actually um, Kevin McDonald, of course, that we spoke about before. Um, and as Joe already mentioned, of course, what, what he's famous for in this particular game is he scored those two goals in the League Cup game, which is actually the last time Burnley had beaten us at Turf Moor. So that was what his link was. And another one as well, um, you, you'll know who this is, I'm assuming. What's his link to Burnley against Arsenal as well? Uh, obviously, it's Vauxhall. Eh? 
Um, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm not sure. Most, most headed, most headed goals against Arsenal. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that would necessarily be true. I would have thought Ashley Barnes would probably got more of them. But, uh, um, it's again. It's. Uh, did you have you got any ideas, Melvin? What Sam no, no, um particular thing against Arsenal is? He's actually the last player apart from Ashley Barnes to score for Burnley at the Emirates. He um, in in the Premier League. Um, he did score in. Uh, it was a two-one. Two-one victory. Yeah, for we went one-nil up in that. I remember. Now you mentioned yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. scored it. Yeah, I, did, I didn't yeah. go to that one. I watched it on. Uh, I was working. I and since it on then, a, yeah. on an elite, perfectly legal stream. Since then, all the Burnley goals scored at, at um, by Burnley players have actually been scored by Ashley Barnes. Since that goal from <laughs> Sam, it was the last player other than Ashley Barnes to score at the Emirates, a Burnley player. Uh, and another, another little one, which um, again we've sort of touched on a little bit, but there's a little bit more to it. What's his kind of um, significance in a Burnley Arsenal game. Obviously, he did score the own goal last season, as we mentioned, but it is something slightly connected to that. Uh, is it the one you've already mentioned? That was, yeah, he scored a couple of goals in the last game of the season to win the Golden Boot. He did. And also, he Just scored the first game of the season, scored the winner first game of the season against Burnley, didn't he? He did. That was last season. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. but that's not really the... The, the the point that I'm looking for. He always <laughs> hits the net for either side. He, he scores for yeah, either true. side in, the, in any game he's played against Burnley. He's always scored um, in one net or the other. No, that's not true because he didn't score a nil-nil draw last season because nobody did. Well, true, he didn't score, didn't he? Oh, it's, it's sort of, you're not you're not far off. He's actually the only player, certainly in the, in the Premier League, it might even be in the whole of football history, but he's the only player I'm aware of that's actually scored for Arsenal and Burnley in an Arsenal-Burnley fixture because he scored seven times for Arsenal and obviously he scored once for Burnley as well last season. So, um, and just as I say, obviously people on Spotify, that was a Birmingham course um, with that. Now, there's a, a couple of other little um, sort of statistical ones which you may or may not know, you guys. Um, obviously, you'll know who this guy is. Again, for people on Spotify, this is Tommy Lawton, of course, famous um, English footballer from back in the day. He did actually play for both clubs. He played for started his career at Burnley and ended his career at Arsenal. The question is going to be, which of those two clubs did he score more goals for? Was he, Did he score more for Burnley or did he score more for Arsenal? I'm saying Arsenal. He'd, he'd come to us as an, he came to us at the end of his career, didn't he? Near the end of his career, yeah, obviously. At the end of his career, he started his career at Burnley in 1930. Yeah, and he went, did he go to Everton? Um, he yeah, he played most of his career at Everton. Yeah, he played yeah, for exactly. Not so Spanish I reckon Arsenal. Arsenal. I'd probably say Arsenal. A lot of players that started the career at Burnley have kind of just been shipped out, and you know, similar with Lee Dixon. You know, yeah, yeah, had one game, did. told he wasn't good enough, and then became an Arsenal great. So. Yeah, so you, you both going with us. What about you, Joe? What are you going with? Now? Who, who do you think? I, 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 I'll be honest, I ain't got a clue. So I'm going to go with Burnley just to just to be different and back the boys. <laughs> okay, well, um, Tommy Lawton for Burnley. He played for Burnley 1935 to 1937. He played 25 games and scored 16 goals for Burnley. He came to us at the end of his career, which was 1953 to 1956. He played 38 games for Arsenal and he scored. 15 so goals. Goals. 15. 15. So he scored one he's more. He's scored a lot more than that. No, he's he got was 15. Awesome. So, um, so, yeah, he scored yeah. actually one more goal for Burnley. So that was really close. Weird. Um, Good start, that. Very good start. Yeah, well, no, you know, I've, I've got some stats. Don't worry about that. Um, there's another <laughs> couple of players here. There's a couple of former Arsenal strikers who both played for Burnley um, briefly. Which one of these two scored the most goals for Burnley? 
Was it Andy and Cole or Ian Wright? Ian, it's got to be Ian Wright. No, I'm going Ian Andy Wright. Cole. I'm going to have to say Andy Cole scored more for Burnley than Ian Wright just, did. I think maybe. Go just on, on the I'll basis let... of Andy Cole's hat trick at QPR. I was going to say did get. I was just going to say he did get that hat trick at QPR, but I, right, he didn't get that many goals in there. I think he got four, five, right here. I'm going to stick with Raya, though. I don't want to just now no, okay. back, backtrack. Right. I'm going to stick with it. for you. So what about you, Melvin? Which one do you think has got the most goals? I'm going for Cole. The QPR factory, I'm going for Cole. Not that I knew that anymore, but... Okay. Well, Ian Wright played in 1999-2000 season. He, he played 15 games for Burnley. And Joe wasn't far off. He actually scored four goals. Andy Cole played 13 games. So a very similar amount of games in 2008 for Burnley. And he scored... Six goals, so it was Andy Cole ah, that won that one. Obviously, just, that must have been it, the one. Yeah, it really helped. I remember that. It was a big win. That. And just before you move on, I've actually got. It's weird that you mentioned it. I put it on for obvious reasons, but I've actually got an Ian Wright shirt on. Side, <laughs> can you see it? Uh, Side as well. Wow. We interviewed him on the podcast last year. I think Dan will remember it. Um, but yeah, I got him. Yeah. I got this shirt because obviously, as you've just seen, it's the shirt he played in. Um, bought some old football league letters on YouTube, YouTube on eBay. Uh, got it. Got got someone at the club shop to print it for me. She weren't supposed to do that, so I won't give any names out. Um, and just took it to Ian and said, "Oh, this is a shirt you played in. Can you sign it?" And and he's got a little <laughs> signature at the back. I don't know if you've seen it. So yeah, I'm, wow. I've been meaning to get it framed, but I just never have done. So now I just stick it on every time I'm on an Arsenal podcast. <laughs> no, why not? It's uh, it's a lovely shirt, and uh, that's a great uh, little bit of memorabilia as well, there, isn't it? Um, yeah, I've got, one been more, I've, I've got one more to finish this little section with, uh, and these are two players who both played on loan for Burnley and did originally start their career at Arsenal. Um, I don't know if you recognise these two. I recognise Mark Randall. Ramsdale? That Randall, oh, that's Ma- it. Mark Randall, yeah. He didn't really yeah. do much after he left us. Yeah, I don't he didn't do much of Burnley, to be fair. No, Mark, Mark, yeah, Mark Randall's the one in the Burnley kit. And who's the one in the Arsenal kit? Do you know who that is? don't know. It looks like, that. It looks like an older version of that kid from This Is England. <laughs> it's not it's Paul Reid, is it? Is it Reid? No, it's close. It is Paul. It's Paul Shaw. Ah, oh, Paul Shaw. That's the... Paul Shaw. So, um, Mark Randall and Paul Shaw. So, they both uh, played on loan for Burnley um, during their career. Paul Shaw played in 1995 and Mark Randall was in the during the 2008-2009 season. Um, the question is, which one of those two made the most appearances for Burnley? They both played 13 times for Arsenal, actually. But which one of those two played more times for Burnley in their short loan periods? I'm going to have to say the uh, the lad in the Arsenal top, surely. Paul Shaw, okay. Randall didn't play that much. Yeah, I'm going to, I was thinking that. I don't know the lad in the Arsenal top, Paul Shaw, but um, I'm, I remember Randall coming in, not really making much of an impact and spending the majority of his time on bench. So, yeah, I'll go for Paul Shaw. Okay, Melvin. I'm going, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going the opposite way, though. I'm going to do... I'm just, for, for hell's sake, I'm going the other way. I'm going Randall. Randall had a very strange running... Well, he used to run with his arms, didn't he, Randall? Do you remember that? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah he, he, was, uh, <laughs> he was a funny one. But, yeah, um, I was saying they both played 13 times for Arsenal. Paul Shaw, in his loan in 1995, he played nine times for Burnley and actually scored four goals in his nine games. So, actually, that's not a bad little turnaround, is it? For, oh, fair yeah, enough. He scored three against QPR, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know who the four goals were against. I haven't quite delved <laughs> deeper enough into the uh, into it to find out. But he did score four in nine appearances. So he made played nine times. Mark Randall, 
I say during the 2007-2008 season, he actually played in his loan spell. He played 10 times for Burnley. So he just Ooh. sneaked that one by one appearance. Oh, but he didn't actually score. God. He didn't score at all for Burnley. Uh, he didn't score for Arsenal either, actually. Um, Paul Shaw did score two goals in his 13 games for Arsenal. So, um, so yeah, they were all very close in uh, in the numbers there. So I thought I'd throw them in just for a He's little He's definitely bit. been one of those that have been thrown on last minute just to kill a few seconds, hasn't it? That's, that's yeah. definitely got to be. <laughs> Hold yeah. the ball. Hold the ball. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, Mark Randall had a sort of a, I suppose, a, a career in the lower leagues a little bit, didn't he? Um, yeah, I was just, I was just talk, just checking then when you were talking to see how he did because I've never heard of him since. And yeah, he played for Chesterfield according to Wikipedia. Now he's at Lawn. Uh, yeah, I didn't rate him at the time too much. I remember thinking sort of like, oh, this lad's come from Arsenal. He's going to be really, really good. But um, but yeah, he's obviously just career sort of petered out. Only thirty one though, so that's when I was like, well, surely he's still playing. But yeah, he's playing for. For Lana now, apparently. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I say he he came through the Arsenal Academy. He made his debut. Well, he made his debut for us. I think about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. So he would have been really young then, probably a teenager, um, yeah. and another one of many at that particular time who didn't quite make it. And I think it must be hard for a young player actually when you're at a big club and maybe you don't quite make it and you you get moved on. It must be quite hard to revive your career. And a lot of players have never really gone on and had much of a career after that have they and maybe Mark Randall is one of them sort of messed around in the lower leagues for a while and I mean it's good that he's still playing I suppose but he never quite managed to I think Paul Shaw had a slightly better career I seem to remember him playing for Millwall and scoring a few goals Paul Shaw and I think he had a, maybe a better career but I'm not really sure what happened to him either really but um, he you'd have known score. if it had done pretty well at Burnley because Burnley have a kind of a habit of taking a player on loan and trying to snap him up for cheap afterwards I mean, we did it with Alan Marn and, and uh, Andy Gray from Sunderland. And and uh, we've done it with Michael Keane, Trippier, Ben May. We've done it with a few, fair few players in recent times. So, obviously, Mark Randall didn't quite cut the, uh, cut the mustard, really. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. But I'll say, yeah, you know, they both uh, did start um, through the Arsenal Academy and did play briefly um, for Burnley. So that was a little quiz there, which I thought was quite fun anyway. I don't know what you guys thought of it, but... Um, I enjoyed you, it. You, you, you did, you yeah, did we're quite, good. You, you did quite well. So uh, I just thought it was something different, because I say we, we've been for all the players before that have played for both uh, both clubs. There is actually 10 players that I found that have played for both Arsenal and Burnley. Um, obviously, Lee Dixon's probably the most famous one, isn't he, with what he won at Arsenal. Ian Wright as well, of course. Um, others as well. There was a goalkeeper, um, Andy Marriott as well, um, he didn't actually yes, play Marriott. but he came for our academy, played 10, 15 games for Burnley. And uh, it was Danny Carbassioon as well, the American. Oh, um, yeah. I've got him on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know how that ever happened, but I've got him on Facebook. <laughs> I must have just found him one day and added him when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, well, he actually played five times for Burnley. He played three times for Arsenal, scored one goal for Arsenal in the League Cup against Manchester City. Andy Cole, who we've mentioned. Another one's Ray Hankin, who actually had a decent career for Burnley in the 70s, yeah. scored four goals in 139 games and came to Arsenal and was absolutely dreadful. Only made two appearances, both in some cup or other. Uh, and he, I don't even know where he went. I think he played for Leeds as well, didn't he, Ray Hankin, at some yeah, stage? Yeah. Before or after Arsenal. Um, and there is one more actually played in the 1800s. His name's Henry Boyd. And actually for Arsenal, in 1894 to 1897, he played 49 games for Arsenal and scored 31 goals. So he actually had a decent goal-scoring record for Arsenal. Um, he didn't actually okay. play in Burnley's first team, but he did come, come through the, uh, 
kind of um, however they used to have, have a youth system in them days. I don't know how it worked, but he came from Burnley and did say he had a decent couple of years at Arsenal. So, um, but yeah, they're all the players that I've managed to find. Tommy Lawton, of course, as well, who we mentioned before, bookended his career at uh, with Burnley and Arsenal. So, so that was that really, which is quite good. Um, right, why don't we move on and go back up, obviously, to, to the game tomorrow, which is which is really important, and just have a look at this. <laughs> So again, for those listening on Spotify, this is to do with the predicted lineups for the two teams. Um, from what I've been seeing about, about Burnley, you don't tend to make a lot of changes to your starting eleven. I guess that's because, as you said before, you don't have a particularly big squad. Um, so, Joe, what are you kind of thinking for tomorrow? Do you think there'll be a lot of changes from the Leicester game or you'd be pretty much the same? Because that was almost the same team that started the game before yeah. as well. I'm pretty confident it'll be the exact same team. Um, we don't have too many changes, even when we have a full, fully fit squad. At the minute, we don't have a fully fit squad. There are some rumours that um, uh, Johan Berg, Gudmundsson and Robbie Brady have been training this week. So if if Johan Berg, Gudmundsson passes a fitness test, I would think that Dyche would probably bring him in uh, because at the minute, Josh Brown is playing right mid and he's, he's not a right midfielder. We love Josh Brown on the Burnley. He's a fantastic central midfielder, but he's not a right midfielder and he's just a, a square peg in a round hole at the minute because we've got nothing else to do. So if JBG is fit, you might see him on the right, but I could probably name the team now. It'll be Popey in the net, Taylor at left back, Tarky me in the middle, Louts at right back, um, Dwight on the left, Corky and Westy in the middle with Brownell on the right or JBG. Uh, and Chris Wood and Vidra up top. That's um, and now I can put my house on it being that exact team or just the right midfield changing. What about Jay Rodriguez? Is he is he not fit? He's had an injury, hasn't he, Dan? But um, he's yeah, yeah. been a little bit indifferent in terms of form as well, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tough one with, with Jay because he's kind of had got a, an ongoing sort of like leg injury. You see him sort of every now and again. He'll have one or two games and then he's out. Because it's kind of flared up again. I don't know whether it's something that's ongoing that's at the moment, you know, it's an injection, get you through a game because we're numbers sort of thing. But uh, I, I agree with Joe. I think it's going to be a very similar lineup to Wednesday night. Uh, is he going to change it or tweak it just because of the recent or oh, our squad's tired sort of thing? I mean, we've got to look at the numbers and the fact it's Arsenal. We can't look at it and think, you know, this, this is a game where we could play some of our youth players unless we're getting absolutely demolished and we stick them on for 10 minutes at the end, if Dash remembers that he has a bench behind him. But uh, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see. But I do agree with you. He's pretty much hit the nail on the head with that lineup. And um, we've got um, we've got Joan in the comments. He said uh, he was on a Burnley channel earlier in the week. And one of the questions was Pope or Leno? Um, who do we think's better? That's quite a good question, actually, because I actually really do rate Nick Pope. I think he's a good goalkeeper. And I think he could be um, England's number one at the Euros, actually. He's certainly in with a, with a big shout, isn't he? But then, you know, Leno yeah, having, a, having a good season as well. I mean, what, what, what are you guys think about that? Who, who do you think maybe the better goalkeeper out of Pope and Leno? I think they're quite similar, to be honest. Uh, I, I think they're quite similar and quite different in the same way. I think they're quite similar in terms of ability. Like, if you could football manager style top their ability up all together I think they'd both come out quite similar but Pope is going to be better at crosses and I think Leno's probably better at the ball with his feet and, and pinging him out in terms of shot stopping maybe just Leno that Pope can sometimes be a little bit not necessarily suspect I won't say he makes mistakes but there's there's times where his shot stopping is probably not as good I'd say Tom Eaton was a better shot stopper for example yeah 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 uh, than, than Pope but Pope he'd, 
Popey won't have to make these saves because Popey comes and collects a cross. Like, I seem to remember uh, when we lost Heaton and he pulled off a brilliant save against Wolfsburger for Villa in a friendly and it went viral. And all Burnley fans are going, oh, Nick Port would have never saved that. And my point on the men on the podcast were Nick Port won't have had to save it because it originally came in from a cross, which they couldn't defend. So then they had a shot and then Heaton pulled off a worldy save. Nick Port would have just collected that cross and then, then that would have been it. So... I don't know. I think it's a tough question. I think they're both really good goalkeepers. I think Leno's probably having a better season, though. Uh, I'll probably put that out there. I don't think Port's had a bad season, um, but I think Leno has, has done well this season, so that's probably what I'd go for. Yeah, second again, same with Joe. Um, I think, obviously, Pope has kept us in a lot of games. He sh- you know, his shot-stopping ability has been quite key to us securing at least a point in many a game this season. Um You've got to look back at the Leicester game, obviously. I think if he'd have stayed on his line, would we have conceded? Potentially not. Uh, but, you know, every yeah, player... Yeah, it's a tough one, that one, isn't it, though? Because he's trying to come yeah. out and smother the cross. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, wasn't it? That was a good goal for me and Nacho, wasn't it? It was a decent Yeah, yeah I, 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 I fall on that. I, I think I said it on, on Twitter at the time. I fall on that. I, I don't blame Pope. Yes, if Pope had stayed on his line, we wouldn't have conceded the goal. I do 100% agree with that. But with the pass from whoever it was, um, you've, as a goalkeeper, you've got to try and narrow down the angle, haven't you? That's what you get taught to do from under under fours. So he's, he's come out to try to narrow the angle. And then as soon as in actual takes a touch, Pope would have been on him. But you don't even take a touch. The ball's come over mm. and he's watched it and he's just smacked it. Nobody's expecting him to do that. So Burnley fans did it's, give him a bit of It's strange though from that ball it's going over. Him. It's, it's weird though because the ball, when the ball came over, you see uh, whoever it was in the centre of midfield at the time waiting to play the ball. It was like, right, come on, give me an option, give me an option. And yeah. he just thought, right, well, I'll lump it forward to Ian Acho because there's no other chance on. And he kind yeah, of just yeah. seemed to throw his arms up. He's like, give me an option. And then it comes back and and it's, it's so frustrating because most times we concede, it's in a very similar way to how we would score against another side. It's either a ball over the top and mm. we've kind of switched off. or It, it, it always seems to be like that, unless, unless you turn up against you know Man City, like, well, I, I don't even think we turn up. Team bus parks no. outside, but there's no bugger on it. <laughs> no, I mean, fair enough. Talk, talking about the, obviously the goalkeeper, just on the Man City game now. I mean, I think both of them goalkeepers are slightly better than your backup goalkeeper, judging by that game against Man City earlier in the season, where uh, he had a bit of a nightmare, didn't he? Blessing the poor fella. Was that his yeah, David? Peacock, his Peacock, Peacock Farrell. Yeah, the, he, had, uh, he certainly had a strange game that day. I mean, what would you say, Melbourne, in between the, the two goalkeepers? Because they're both good goalkeepers, actually, aren't they? I actually like Pope. I think he's very good. Yeah. I mean, when I ever watch him, I think he's very, very decent. I think um, you're always a little bit critical of your own player sometimes, and I've been critical of Leno. So, really, that goes being an sport goes against my judgment. But I, 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 I like Pope a lot. I think, he's, I, I think he's slightly better, really. And when it comes to crosses, I mean, I do like a keeper to command the box, and Pope does it far better than Leno. Yeah, so it's, it's the best thing that we have in coming to collect the crosses. Yeah, I mean, luckily... One, one thing Joe Hart never used to do, were it? I mean, luckily, I from, our point, from our point of view, <laughs> we don't put in a lot of crosses like that, really, because we don't tend to have a big centre-forward to get on the end of them anyway. So um, I don't think we'll necessarily play that way anyway tomorrow. I mean, what are you thinking in Melbourne about the Arsenal team? Because literally, I can't even decide what it's going to be. I haven't really got a clue. We've got, obviously, a big Europa League game in, on Thursday night as well. So. Yeah going to be playing a part, I think, on the selection, possibly. Very much so. I think he'll play a very similar team to the other night. 
because I think that wasn't our strongest team against Leicester. And I think no. he'll play a similar team tomorrow to play what he might think is a better team on Thursday. So I think obviously the goalie will play. I think he'll play Bellerin at right back. I think it, the rest of the defence, I think it'll be the same with Louise, Murray and Tierney. I think he'll have Nel Nenny in midfield with uh, Jacker just to keep it, you know, to a bit of strength. You need a bit of strength against Burnley. And they'll have a Odegaard um, behind the front three. And I think there'd be, I think he'd still play William. I think he'd play him definitely. I think he'd play Pepe. I think he might change Lacazette for Bamiang. Because I think as, as good as Lacazette holds the ball up, he'll get battered tomorrow if he does that against those two centre-halves. They'll batter him. Where Bamiang won't play that type of game. He'll play like slipping into the space. So yeah. I, only bit, that's what, that's a little bit more what I would do than what, what the manager would do. But I think Arteta would probably play something similar to that. And he probably would play Lacazette thinking about it. But I would actually play Bamiang tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I'd play Bamiang on the, on the basis that he's got a great goal-scoring record against Burnley. He's scored seven Brilliant. times against Burnley in his Arsenal career. And four. And four. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got one for Burnley as well, as we said. So, you know, he needs to make up for that as well, doesn't he, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I, I would... He seems to have had a lot of joy against the, the two Burnley centre-halves, actually. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely put a Bamiang in for this game. I do feel as though the Thursday night's going to play a part... Um, you'd imagine that William and Pepe will both play because they did play well last week and I wouldn't want to leave them out when they suddenly played well together. So I would be tempted to stick them two in with Aubameyang, like you said, Odegaard just behind. And I think Thomas Partey should get a start in midfield, actually, because he's not played enough. He needs some minutes. And I think he'd be a good player against Burnley because obviously Burnley are quite a physical, a physical challenge for us and his physical presence in midfield could be quite important, I think, in this game. So I would be tempted to play him um, and I would actually change the back four. I'd, I'd still put Cedric at right back because I thought that back four last week, that's our best back four, I think. See, I was uh, going to mention that because there's a lot of Arsenal fans actually said to, uh, to myself that if, if Cedric starts, there's a good chance he'll keep McNeil quiet. If Bellerin starts, yeah. he's got a good chance of McNeil having a good, solid game. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree with that. McNeil's probably the, the biggest danger in your side from our point of view. Um, so, yeah, and the, the right-back position when Bellerin's played there defensively has been an issue, especially when when Pepe's playing on that side as well. That they, Them two don't seem to have an understanding very well, both going forward and defensively. So that could be a problem. I, I personally would play Cedric just because I think he hasn't played much games at right-back, actually, because he, he had to cover for Tierney at left-back for a while and um, he played really well last week against Leicester. I would play him in this game. I'd play him in the, in the Olympiacos game and I'd play him against Tottenham as well because I think he's a better right-back. But particularly in this game, like you said, because Dwight McNeil is, for me, he, he's going to be the danger. Some of them crosses he puts in are just undefendable and we're not the best at dealing with crosses at the best of time. So um, we need to stop the supply coming in. Obviously, Wood's strong in the air, isn't he? Um, like Ashley Barnes has caused his problem yeah. before. Anyway. So... That's that's obviously Burnley's key <clears throat> if going to get a result against us is you know Dwight McNeil getting on the ball, getting crosses in, and and Chris Wood maybe getting on the end of him, and Bidva maybe feeding off him if that's the two that play. Um, so that's that's a problem for us. So yeah, I, I think that's a good point, and I would I would have played Cedric anyway just because I think he's better at right back at this moment in time. You know, I, I, I'm not as critical of Bellerin as many Arsenal fans. I, I actually don't mind him. I think he's been playing reasonably well, but certainly defensively, Cedric is better. 
And I think in this game in particular, that's going to be important because, you know, the, the threat that, that Burnley do offer. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably what I would do. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. You can never tell with Arteta because um, he's very difficult to read. You never know what team he's going to pick. You know, in, in a way, you know, you know what your team's going to be roughly. Maybe one or two players that you may be a little bit unsure of. But overall, you, every week, you pretty much know what your team's going to be. We don't have that luxury because... Arteta just throws things in that you're not expecting. Last week, I saw the team and I'll be shaking my head. You know, no doubt tomorrow I'll see the team and I'll be shaking my head. Um, there was something actually that I did want to, just before we come on to the, the final bit of the score prediction, there was something that um, I found out earlier which surprised me. Now, I, I was always under the impression that the early kickoffs, on, particularly on a Saturday, Arsenal didn't really favour. Um, in the last two seasons, though, we've played eight times on an early kickoff. That's either 12 o'clock or 12.30. We've actually won four drawn two and lost two. So we don't actually have a bad record on the early kickoffs. And both of those two defeats did happen this season, though, uh, recently against Aston Villa and South in the FA Cup. Over the same period of time, Burnley have played seven times the early kickoff, only won one, drawn two and lost four. So actually Burnley's record in the early kickoffs is a lot worse than ours. I wasn't actually aware of that because I always was under the impression that we didn't particularly favour the early kickoffs. I mean, is that something that concerns you guys then with the early kickoff? Because your record isn't, hasn't been that great. I don't know. It's it's not something I really read into, to be honest. Um, it's just about <clears throat> the quality of the team that you're playing against most of the time and, and whether you turn up or not and whether tactically you're there. Maybe there's something men mentally in it. Maybe they can't get the, the wake-up in time or whatever. I'm not sure. Um, but I know that we, t we do, or we did, tend to have a good record under the lights at Turf Moor in recent years. Say if we played somebody and the floodlights were on, for example, so a 70-45 kick-off on a Tuesday, we did tend to do quite well. So... Yeah, it's, uh, genuinely, it's not something I'd read too much into, to be honest. But it, it is one of them kickoffs that you know if you lose, your entire day is ruined. It's not just a bit of your day. Like if you lose you at 8 o'clock on the 8 o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's the uh, rest of the day, you're mopping about. I've, after I've had a sleep, I'm not so bad. But the rest of the, it, it, <laughs> but, uh, rest of the day, you're going to be mopping about. But if it's a late kickoff and it's 8 o'clock, I have a sleep half an hour after full time and I'm right after that. But. But yeah, full 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 day over room tomorrow. It's my little boy's third birthday party tomorrow as well, so I can't be mopping about. So Burnley have to do me a favour. Has he had a good birthday? Yeah, he's had a good birthday, folks. Mate, he's just downstairs with his niece. Uh, his niece, my niece, his his cousin at the minute. That's why you could hear him trying to get in earlier. <laughs> Tear away when they were each other. Honestly, it's a great age, that isn't it? It is a great. Yeah, age. he loves it. Yeah, um, the only win that um, um, Burnley have had in the early kickoffs in the last two seasons was actually away at Southampton, two one, which was um, last season. Um, yeah, three times this season you drew with Everton at home, one one, and lost away at Leeds and away at Chelsea, um, which you probably would expected to lose them two games anyway. Whatever time they kicked off, probably I don't know, but um, it just so happens that they've been. Should have lost that Leeds one. That referee screwed yeah. us over in that game. We should have drawn yeah, massively. Massively. Yeah, one nil, yeah. So that's the sort of uh, and this season for Arsenal, we've played four this season, one two and lost two. We've beaten Fulham and Leicester away and lost to Aston Villa and Southampton. So um it could go fifty fifty for us, which leads us nicely on to the final segment, which is of course the way we always like to end. So, yeah, score prediction time, which is um, always quite um, interesting. Uh, Melvin, we'll start with you then. What are you thinking about this game for us tomorrow? It's an important game, I think, for us, actually. I think it's, we have to really try and win this. I'm going for a 2-0 win. Oh, optimistic. I like that. 
Well, Burnley aren't playing very well at the moment, are they? In all fairness. They've got injuries. Right. Key players. And uh, if if we up our game, we should win. Big if. It's a very big word. But I think I think we should, you know, make it three in a row if we can. Ready for the European game. I really think we could do it 2-0. But as I say, after the first five minutes, I might have to change my mind. <laughs> well, never said that the last five minutes last week wasn't great and we still managed to turn it around and win. So maybe give it 10 minutes and see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Dan, what are you thinking? Are you confident that you might be able to, obviously, you haven't you haven't lost many at home lately, but you haven't won many either, have you? Did you get another draw might be on the cards? I mean, we broke our we broke our duck of scoring in front of the cricket field end against Leicester. We've we've kind of had a bit of a, a thing with that. We've even contemplated changing our name to Bob Lord just because nothing's happening in that cricket field end <laughs> at the moment. So uh, it was good to finally break that duck. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm kind of sitting on the fence. I've got. I don't think I think our defensive display is going to be quite key in this game. Uh, and if we nick one, we nick one. But I think you're going to go. 1-0 up and we'll potentially grab an equaliser in the 70th minute. So I'll, I'll be happy with a 1-1 one, one and I'll take a point before kick-off anyway. No, well, yeah, I would imagine so. What about you, Joe? What are you thinking? Do you think that you're confident that you can maybe beat us, possibly? I think we can. Am I going to predict that? No. I'm thinking it's... I'm on same as same as Dan. I was thinking 1-1, one, one, but I would be worried if um, Arsenal went 1-0 up, if I'm being honest. I'd... Um, if Arsenal went one the up, I could think the game could get away from us because Arsenal are the type of team where if you're chasing a game against them, they will punish you. Um, if we go one up, it might finish 1-1, one, one, but uh, that's the only way it'll do it. If, like I said, if Arsenal go one up, especially early on, I think they could end up running the way of it. I'm thinking 1-1. I'm thinking one, one. I think if we're going to win it, it's going to be 1-0. It's not going to be a 3-2 like it was against Villa or something like that. If that that's the only way we're going to win it. Uh, but yeah... I don't like the phrase sitting on the fence, but everyone seems to say you're sitting on the fence when you pick a draw. But So I'm going to pick a draw. I think a draw would be a good result for us. It'd be another point further away from Fulham, who are playing Liverpool. Now, they're playing Liverpool at Liverpool, so that's they're probably guaranteed three points now. They're playing Liverpool at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool are... A bad run or not, you should still expect Liverpool to beat Fulham at Anfield. It's a it's it's a perfect chance for them to put that record, recent record at Anfield to bed. So you should think that they'd lose there. So I'd take a point. I'd bite your hand up for a point now. Move it to seven points away from Fulham. That's obviously even if they win two games, they're not going to go above us there. So um, yeah, I'd take a point tomorrow. Definitely it gives us a bit more of a cushion. That. Do you think that's the reason why our chairman's actually said that we're England's favourite underdog because we've finally broken the champions of England. Yeah, probably yeah. I think he just came in with not much else to sort of like sort of like <laughs> say about the brand really. But but yeah, I think obviously that one must have been in his memory when he, in his mind when he said it. But but yeah, it was good to see. And and we've 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 broken we've broken Liverpool like you say. We've we've officially broken them. So that that's good to see. You, you sort of almost broke us, but actually your, your defeat when you beat us at the Emirates, actually we kind of started to turn things around soon after that. So maybe that was the kick, kick up. Yeah, Man United did that last season. It can go one or two ways. You can sort of like yeah. say, right, a team like Arsenal shouldn't be losing to Burnley. I don't like slagging my own team off, but at the end of the day you shouldn't. So you should sort of like take stock at a moment like that and just sort of like say, yeah. right, how do we stop this from happening again? Liverpool 
whether they have or not, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like they have. If they have taken stock, they haven't done it very well. Uh, Man United, like when we beat them 2-0 at Old Trafford last season, they went on an unbelievable run after that. So they did a similar sort of thing. They took stock and they were like, right, we can't let this happen again. And yeah, we tend to be sort of like good luck Chuck. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but we, we tend to be that guy, that team that sort of helps teams out to, to turn the season around. Yeah, well, I say it seems to maybe um, rejuvenate us a little bit after that. We sort of have improved since then. Um, Joni in, in the chat said um, heading ability is more crucial for Arsenal than pace. Uh, Mari and Louise um, will do that against Wood and Barnes. I mean, I don't think Barnes is going to be playing, but yeah, I mean, Wood is a dangerous player with a good delivery, isn't he? We know that he's, he's caused problems for a lot of teams. And and uh, Lee there said one nil to Arsenal. I mean, in my preview video the other day, I did also predict. 1-0 to Arsenal, just because I, I do think it's going to be a very tight game. You know, Burnley haven't been conceding a lot of goals at home recently. Um, we're not exactly scoring a lot, although we, we playing away from home does tend to suit us better. We've played some of our better football, certainly since the turn of the year away from home. We struggle to score goals at home, struggle to break teams down. Um, so I do feel as though it's maybe slightly in our favour. But the only, the only thing that keeps nagging away in my head is the fact that to win two consecutive away games in the Premier League is really difficult. And yeah. we did have a good win last week against Leicester. Um, so to win again away from home this, this soon, to me, would be... It's, it's difficult, you know. Not many teams are doing that on a regular basis this season. I know away form does suit us, but I don't think we... Were, I know we did win at Brighton and West Brom two in a row, didn't we, over Christmas? But I think that's the only time we've done it. So it's a big ask. But I do think we may just shade it, um, you know, as long as, as, long as we pick... Uh, well, as long as Arteta picks... Um, a, a good team and doesn't think too much for the Europa League game and rest everybody because then it's going to be a difficult game because, you know, it's always hard playing a team that's fighting for every point, you know, every single point for you guys is going to be massive, isn't it, for, for you in your fight against the, the Massively. Yeah. Massively. So we know you're going to if come If you had to fight. choose, though, if you had to choose between a win tomorrow or a win against Olympiacos, which one would you prefer? Oh, that's that's a good question, actually. Um, I'm here on that, mate. I'm here on that. <laughs> I mean, for me, if, if I'm honest, um, I I only try to look at the next game that's coming up. I want to win that next game because that's more important. And at the moment, we need to win as many games in the league as we can to try to get our way to the top six or the top seven, whatever's going to be enough to get into Europe. And hopefully we can go a lot further in the Europa League as well. I mean, I want to be greedy and win both games, obviously. Um, but I don't know. It's, that's a tough one, actually. That is a tough one. Melvin, what are you thinking? I'll pass it on to you for now. I'll have a little more think about it. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather win in the European game. That doesn't mean we're definitely... Well said, Melvin. Through. Well said. Well <laughs> said, sir. I've made a friend. <laughs> no, I don't genuinely. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I want us to go through the Europa League. The good thing about that is that it's two legs, isn't it? So we could get away with a draw. We win tomorrow, get a draw away in the away leg on Thursday and then win the second leg at home. That, that'll do, wouldn't it? That'll be all right. We can we can cope with that. Um, oh, Rich, you have to be pedantic, Rich. Bloody hell. If it meant, <laughs> if it, if it meant us beating you but actually getting knocked out of the next of, over the two games against Olympiacos, then I guess I would probably take a defeat tomorrow and get through against Olympiacos if that was the oh, choice. Oh, definitely take that. Definitely. I suppose. He's getting through. Definitely. Yeah, but I, I, still, I still think the league's important now, Melvin. I really do. I still think we can get in the top six because it's so tight. We're, we're not that far off in points. And if we can win a lot of our remaining games, if we can win seven or eight games still in the league, which is possible, looking at the fixtures that we've got, 
then I think we've got a chance. So I don't really want to throw away any league game if we can. Um, you know, but I understand it's difficult to win the Europa League um, and also continue to win league games in between. It's going to be a tough schedule. So whether we can do it all, I don't, I'm probably not. We can't. I don't think our squad's good enough to do that. So, yeah, we might have to make sacrifices, unfortunately. But let's see. I mean... Let's see how tomorrow. I, I, I want to just focus on one game at a time, and tomorrow is the next game. Go so I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to think beyond that yet. Let's get tomorrow out of the way, and then I worry about Thursday. Um, so um, Gary in the chat there. What's more difficult, losing five in a row at home or win two in a row on the road? Well, I mean, obviously, losing five in a row at home is quite difficult, but Liverpool have made it look easy. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, we, we, I think winning two games away from home in a row in the league is is difficult. It is, um, but so we have done it once before. Let's hope that we can um, do it again. And Ben says there he thinks the Europa is a priority for for Arsenal at the moment. And um, yes, it is. It is. But I don't want to just give up on the league because I still think we can make top six. And there's no guarantee we're going to win the Europa because there's a lot of big teams in it. The hard competition so you know we need to try to for me we need to try and focus on winning as many games as we can whoever we plan whatever competition and try and just finish the season strongly and if we do that then hopefully we can at least get europe european football next year one way or the other um but i know you guys have got slightly other um issues to be worried about haven't you rather than you i mean you know you was in europe wasn't you a few years ago and that kind of maybe didn't help your league form did it when you was in the no, that's the reason why we had such a poor season, and, and we actually got knocked out against Olympiacos. Um, I went, I went to Athens. Um, it, I, I enjoyed a really good few days in Athens on the beer, watching the football. Obviously, it seems like an absolute age away now, Burnley in Europe, and go, actually going to games. Um, but yeah, that's why our, our our league form was so bad that year. Because all right, we only played six European league league games, but it was still Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday for for, for mm. what. 12 weeks because it were home and away um so yeah it really really ruined our squad um we didn't recover from it until until the new year really but once we turned the turn that form around we, we were in sensational form form to avoid relegation we we're in the bottom three pretty much all the way until um end of january early february and then we didn't look back after that once we moved out of it but but yeah that's why our form was so bad that season, definitely. I must say we were unlucky as well in that second leg against Olympiacos. We literally chucked everything but the kitchen sink them. And we could have we should have come away with it. Um, you know, a little similar sort of story to when we played Spurs in the um Carling Cup replay and we managed to bring that sort of back to life just to be kicked to the curb again, like common muck. Uh but but we uh I, th I think we give a decent account of ourselves, but I think there's a lot of our fan base that still kind of rest on that, that still seem to think that that's where we should be because we've still got that squad that got us there. So we should be doing that season in, season out. But that's not the case. At the end of the day, we was riding a wave of luck. Um, you know, you need luck at times in games. And I think I think we gave a, de like I say, gave a decent account of ourselves. And as the English team next up against Olympiacos, you could maybe help us out and do them over. Why not? Sure, Socrates, what he's missing. Well, they, they knocked us out last year, actually, um, the, the previous round before. So we owe them one for that because they beat us at the Emirates in the second leg after we'd won away in the first leg. So we owe them one, actually. But yeah, obviously, um, so Socrates is going to be well up for that game, isn't he? I would imagine he's looking forward to that to maybe prove a point to Arteta, who clearly didn't fancy him and wanted him out the door. So yeah, that could be interesting to see what happens there. 
Um, because you know, I think he's a decent player actually, Socrates, and he, he did pretty well for Arsenal overall, so I'm sure he'll have a big point to prove. Um, Joe in the chat there said that um, he would take a win tomorrow and take a loss in Europe because he has faith for the second leg. Yeah, I have faith for the second leg, although last year, of course, that didn't quite work, did it? So, but I want to win every game, let's just win every game, and then it doesn't matter, does it? Just win them all, that's what I say. And I'm sure you guys want to want to win every game as well, don't you? Between now and, and the end 100%, of the season, 100%. 100%. I wish football was. I wish football was that simple, but unfortunately, it isn't is it? Um, well, thanks a lot for you guys for for joining me tonight. Um, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, obviously, enjoy the game tomorrow. Nice early kickoff. Um, um, Dan, if you um, give your, I mean, if you got, you said you you haven't started a YouTube channel yet. Is it like a, a blog that you do? Uh, not just not quite, but I have started a a YouTube channel up. Uh, I was talking to Joe about it earlier. Going to try and get it up and running. Maybe in the new season, see what happens. But for the meantime, give us a head over to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. It's all linked under at Cricket Field End or the Cricket Field End. And uh, yeah, see you over there. Fantastic. And um, and Joe as well, just give your channel uh, another plug again, what, what you're doing over there. Yeah, so I'm, we're, we're Turfcast Podcast. We have a YouTube channel. We have a podcast, obviously. And we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, even TikTok. I'm not really sure what I'm doing with it, but I'm on there. Um, <laughs> and just to so obviously, just to go back to the Ian Wright story I said earlier, uh, if an just to give an Arsenal fan an incentive to actually go over there, just listen to the Ian Wright interview we did last year. We sat down with Ian Wright, me, my co-host Simon, and the guys from the other Burnley podcast, No Name Ever, um, all sat down with him in Manchester and had a 45-minute chat with him. Really nice bloke, really enjoyed it. Um, and he, he talks obviously mainly about his Burnley career, but he does mention some Arsenal stuff in there as well. So it might be something that Arsenal fans, I'm sure many Arsenal fans don't know too much about Ian Wright's time in Burnley. So maybe you want to go and listen listen to that. But but yeah, if you want to, if you, if you want a reason to get over there, um, that'd be a reason, but but yeah, that that's that's what we do. No, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just really, um pop over there and check um, check that out as well because there's some good stuff on there. I've seen bits and pieces of it myself. Um, thanks to everyone in the chat as well tonight. Obviously, Ben and Joe from the the Worldy Podcast as well um, was in Gary as well. Lee, thank for you guys as well. Thanks to everyone for watching. Melvin as well. Thank you very much. Where can people find you, Melvin as well? On this channel, obviously on. From Dale Square away with Andrew, on with Ryan, Mr. Arsenal 89, and uh, on on uh, Twitter, Melbourne Anyway is Arsenal Marks. And yeah, so check um, check Melbourne out as well because uh, he's um, he got some good stuff as well. He's always appearing on a lot, a lot of our channels as well that we do. So, um, and um, Joe said he's going to watch the um, watch the Ian Wright True Julie po podcast today. They're going to watch yours, Joe. So yeah. That's good as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen Ian Wright one on the True Julie actually. That's a, that's a good show. That I don't know if anybody's seen that. That's really good. I mean, Ian Wright's a great character, isn't he? Anyway, a great personality. So yeah. he's always entertaining, yeah. isn't he? Whatever he does. So yeah, I mean, definitely pop over to, to Joe's channel, the, the Turfcast podcast, which is a bit of a mouthful, but we got there again. Please um, <laughs> <laughs> watch the Ian Wright interview if uh, if nothing else, because uh, it's very good. So so yeah, that's that's that. And I say thanks to you guys for. Um, for being on the show tonight. Good luck um, for the rest of the season. Obviously, not not tomorrow, of course, but um, following that, I hope you get enough points to stay up and send Fulham down because we don't really like Fulham. They, they should be in the Premier League. So let's hope that um, that you guys um, survive and they don't. And um, although we've got to play them soon, so I better be careful because I'll probably get Fulham fan on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, so obviously good luck for the rest of the season. So I hope you guys um, stay up and we'll obviously meet again. Hopefully we can get fans back in next season because it's a good away day at Turf Moor. I always enjoy that. So maybe nice to meet up with you guys as well. Maybe in the in the cricket club, it's always a uh, pretty nice. So um, yeah, we can talk. For, for next season but yeah so so yes thanks for joining thanks for everyone for watching if you haven't done so please subscribe to the channel please give it a like um and uh, say if you are listening on spotify thanks for tuning in as well there it's a new thing i'm trying uh, a few people said they, they prefer listening to it that way actually on the on the just the audio as well which is good so i thought i'd bring not surprised i've got my face on it well, that's, the only that's the only downside to, to the to the Spotify side, really. But maybe we can just put your picture up instead, then that will kind of cover it, really, won't it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really, just before we go, really nice meeting you two guys. I mean that. Really enjoyed it. Oh, you too. Oh, nice yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to see you all again. Really yeah, that's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been great to have you guys on as well. And I say good luck for the rest of the season. So enjoy the game tomorrow as well. Um, Shane as well was in the chat earlier. Um, yeah, good luck to Burnley for the season. Exactly. Yeah, we, we all we all agree with that because they're a great little club, um, and obviously a historic club as well. Obviously, they're very what played in the very first ever season of football league, which is uh, which is great. So um, that's a good thing as well. So yeah, so thanks everyone for watching. So don't forget to subscribe and like. Uh, and in the meantime, of course, end of this um, big game tomorrow morning. I'm doing a watch along. Actually, I'll be live at quarter past twelve. I think I'm going to go live for a watch along. So stay tuned for that tomorrow if you can. And I'm doing a fan cam afterwards as well. You know, getting a bit of reaction after the game. Obviously, Melvin's going to be on a couple of other guys as well. So, loads coming up on the channel tomorrow as well on match day. So, stay tuned for that. And of course, in the meantime, as we head towards, um, I say, a big game tomorrow. Come on, you gunners. Come on. Um. <laughs>